Hi, Chad. Todd. Sorry, just getting getting my my situation set up. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am great. I'm excited to continue our conversation of St. Louis craft beer scene. Me too. I, you know, I didn't say anything offensive about St. Louis last week, and I'm excited to be nice again this week. Indeed. We have, we have a guest this uh, this evening as well, correct? True. But I think we should just hold off just a minute because it's just 8.30. People are probably getting ready. If you haven't, time to crack open some beers. Love to hear where people are tuning in from. Where, where are you tuning in from today, Todd? I am in Graceland, which is Memphis, Tennessee. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. What where are you? What brings you to Memphis? Great question, Chad. In three to four short weeks, City Brew Tours will be launching our newest franchise location in Memphis, Tennessee. So if you want to go to some of the great breweries that I visited today, you can come on down to Graceland and get some behind the scenes access here. Awesome beer so far. Well, that does sound like a good time. And very we're very excited to have Memphis launching soon. So we've got people coming in from California. We've got Akron, Ohio. Dan's never been to Memphis. So and it sounds like, Dan, you have an excuse to go now. And the barbecue is as good as advertised. So good. So it's not just the hype. It's actually that good. Actually good. And Todd's stamp of approval. <laughs> so we're drinking tonight uh, two different breweries from our St. Louis Beer Club. We've got Perennial, which I'm very excited for. It's a their saison de lit, and this beer is going to be is brewed as a saison that's brewed with chamomile. So if at any point this evening I start to fall asleep, Todd, you know why. I'm because... happy that we've found a way to introduce mobile into your diet. <laughs> Chamomile will put me puts me out. So I'm 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 curious to know if the the people in the chat are also getting a little sleepy from the Saison de Lee. And then we're also going to be Drinking uh, four hands, their cast iron. So we'll start with the the saison de lit, just in case the sleepiness sets in later on. Because if it's like alcohol and you want to get, if it's like a shot, it takes a little while for it to to kick in. And we'll get into the chocolate malts. Um, yeah, and for those of you who maybe missed last week and. Um, are just catching up with St. Louis. We talked a little bit at the beginning of last week about how important St. Louis is to beer in the U.S. and America. Um, obviously, a very, very large brewery started in St. Louis, Anheuser-Busch, and um, it has to do a little bit with the local topography and um, some of the regional components that St. Louis has to offer, which we'll hear a little bit more about when we bring our guest on. Um and I'm excited to get into that. So, Chad, should we dive into your camel meal adventure? Before we do that, I just want to know what was your 
we went through a ton of fun facts about St. Louis last last episode. And for anyone that missed it, I think it we need like a highlight reel of the best fun fact of Franny, go back and clip all of the fun facts from last episode and put it on Instagram by the end of the week. Please and thank you. Or fast forward all of the fun facts in a very short time slot for this. It's the World Chess Hall of Fame. Chad, what's your favorite fun fact? The seven up. The seven up is from St. Louis, and I'm blanking on the ridiculous name of seven up. Yeah, it was really long. Um, but shout out to Orlando Jones and make seven up yours. <laughs> All right, should we get into this into this beer? Let's do it. All right. I know this is not the appropriate glassware. This is a an IPA glass, but it's what I had. What I wonder what the fair punishment is for improper glassware. Uh, for talking Hammurabi's code, <laughs> I think you would have to lay on the glass. Uh, like walk on broken glass. On, instead of walking on coals, you have to walk on broken glass. Like die hard. Exactly. So, Chad, we have a a Belgian-style saison. We're going to get... What are we going to look for color-wise here? That smells delicious. So, color-wise, I mean, saisons are typically not this... The clarity on this thing is insane. I can see you through it. Yeah, saisons usually don't have this type of clarity. They usually have things suspended like wheat proteins... So this is right here, just on the first like view of this. They're either doing some kind of filtration at perennial, or uh, they are just letting this sit for a little while in the tanks and letting gravity do its part. Because like, look at that thing. That's that's, that's clear. clear. That's probably going through some kind of centrifuge to get it that to get it that clear. So tell me, so. Speaking of saisons, um, they they're using a traditional saison yeast strain here, and I think for anyone who's having it, that's if you're getting those fruit and spicy notes um, that sort of balance that tea from the chamomile. That's that's directly from the yeast. And Chad, give me the finish. So saisons are typically saison uh, yeast come off with a, that peppery herbal characteristic something that happens with saisons those saisons there are a farmhouse ale and they can ferment at very high temperatures so at those temperatures that's when you're getting a lot of those esters being produced and phenols that are coming from it so i haven't even tasted this i've just just been enjoying the 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 chamomile i'm again a little nervous if i just just pass out you'll know why that's okay there's medicine smelling salts like a injured football player. oh that is so delicious that for a saison like this is a really clean saison uh dan says way less funk than he'd expect from a saison this is like one of the cleanest saison i think i've ever tasted which makes it super crushable for during summertime usually saisons can be i mean this is saisons were the farmhouse ale for the field hands 
this is the beer. If I had to go work the fields, this is this is like a, this is the beer that I want for my farmhouse sale. It has very little. I think the chamomile is just really smoothing out this and mellowing out those that saison yeast that creates all of those those different peppery flavors. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing at you in the fields, like retiring to your your house for a. I have my plow. I've got my my uh, my. Is it a hoe? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> my five percent. Yeah, five percent. So typically with Saisander, those can range anywhere from like high fours all the way. I've seen seven, eight percent Saisons. Um mm-hmm. so they just kind of run the gamut. So let's talk a little about perennial chat. Um and I think what we do here is we're gonna give a, a nice overview and then we might bring in an expert. I think that's a good plan. So husband and wife duo, duo Phil and yep. Emily Wymore. Um, Phil's been brewing professionally for seven years. Got to start uh, Goose Island, Half Acre. Mm-hmm. Did a yep. since there before getting starting perennial. Yep. And their location is a former Coca-Cola syrup plant, which is... Between the 7-Up and the Coca-Cola syrup plant, a lot of pop <laughs> stories coming out of St. Louis. So, Chad, do you want to introduce... A lot, of some... Be- a lot of Belgian Belgian, and then more American styles, too, I think. Like, this is one of their nod to their their, their Belgian origins. They're definitely looking at that more traditional Belgian profile. So, why don't we promote... Um, why don't we turn someone into a panelist here to have a, a further conversation about perennial and beer in St. Louis? I think we can do that. Let's do that. Also, I don't know if while you're doing that, there was a moment in the chat where um, RJ went to the same high school. He quote a long time ago, not my words, that Eleanor's daughter graduated from. So small world. So I missed two seconds yeah, there, but I know when you guys were talking about perennial. What else do you want? What else do you want to know about them? Because I can keep going. <laughs> well, on first, about. I think we need to introduce, introduce oh, you right. because, like, who did we just bring on to this podcast? No one really, no one really knows. But we definitely brought a beer expert, a St. Louis beer expert. Um, I am a beer lover at heart. On here, who loves the beer community. Um, will never brew beer because I've tried home brewing and I suck at it. But I love what the culture and art is of breweries. And I felt that St. Louis needed somebody out there doing beer tours. So there wasn't anything there. So I started it up. And I said, if I'm going to do a beer tour thing on here, I'm going to do it the way a beer dork like I would want to go on. And go to a whole, keep small groups on here, go to pretty much every brewery I can go to. Um, and make it a good time for people. There's your elevator pitch. <laughs> and so Jesse is the owner and founder of Brewhop STL. So when we were thinking about who do we want to bring in to talk about St. Louis beer, as a, as city brew tours, we always we know that the, a brewery tour operator is going to have 
the handle on uh, what St. Louis's craft beer scene has to offer. And just to plug uh, Bruhoff SDL, uh, they actually, when we were researching who we were going to bring on, Bruhoff SDL goes to 68 breweries um, in the greater St. Louis area on their tours. So we have a lot to talk about. I don't, I think we'll, we're going to probably be here till midnight to, we're going to talk about all 68. Not if you finish the chamomile beer. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Jesse, let's start with perennial. We mentioned husband and wife team, old Coca-Cola plant. Um, what do you, what, what do you love about perennial? Why do guests like it? Well, I mean, their main thing on here is their sour beer program, which is what they pretty much have perfected. Um, then their barrel edging program. I mean, they have folders in there that are 40 something years old. Um, then they have their entire, I mean, one of the top rated beers out there is Abraxas. Um, so you'll see that all over the place on here. Um, that's one of the greatest things. Well, and now you have to go back to, well, here, let's give you the whole background spiel on here. Um, back in, I think it was 2011, especially because you're talking about four hands, people don't realize that there was really only a couple breweries in St. Louis. I mean, you had Anheuser-Busch, of course, um, and then you had Schlafly who came in on here, but it wasn't until 2011 within four months of each other, uh, Perennial, Four Hands, Urban Chestnut, and Civil Life all opened, um, which was like the big thing on here. These big major breweries all opened up on here and it just popped the industry on here. Um, now, as far as parental goes, number one, they're amazing on here. They have their main location down in South City. Then they opened up, uh, there's a tap house for them out in a winery, uh, Chandler Hill Winery out in middle of St. Charles County out there. Um, then they opened up their second brewery in the city on here, which is Perennial and Rock, uh, Lockwood. Um, then they also have another tap house, which I'm forgetting exactly where it's at. Um, but perennial, the other really good thing about the brewery community in St. Louis is everybody is friends and it's almost like a soap opera of who gets, goes where and opens up what. Um, so I could tell you a perennial on here. That's where their assistant brewer and then head brewer on here at one point in time was Corey King, who if you're any kind of beer fan, you know who he is. Um, it ended up being to where he was doing such a good job and he kept brewing on the side um and had his own little brewery of stuff on here and he started calling it side project while eventually side project spun off of perennial (laughs) and then you have side project and shared um and then keep going forward on here you can tell i can tell you like dave who's the head brewer over at well spent brewing which is another one in st louis his roots are in perennial that's where he started out as an apprentice at one point in time um, you had about a year and a half, well, it's been almost two years now, um, one of the new cool breweries in St. Louis, which is Rockwell, um, which is really cool because it's built out of cinder blocks and shipping containers. Their brewers on there all came out of perennial. Um, you just have a whole community of brewers out there who all know each other and kind of go from there. So, so it sounds like perennial really laid the groundwork for the explosion in craft beer being like urban chestnut perennial uh forehand all kind of coming up 
at that same uh, I mean, you have, time. You have Schlafly who laid I mean did all the legal background, proved that you can have your own tap house and self-distribute. Um, and then these other guys all started opening up and it just branched out from there. So you, yeah. You mentioned uh Abraxas. Now yeah. Abraxas as a for anyone who's never had it, is a ninety-nine as a ninety-nine on beer advocate, which is unheard of out of a hundred. So it's considered world class beer. Can you tell uh everyone what is Abraxas? Like what what is the essence of Abraxas? Because every year it changes a bit, right? Well, your base thing on Abraxas is you have Maman, which is the base stout that Perennial does on here. Um, I can't tell you exactly what all is added into Abraxas um, that makes it different on here, but the biggest thing on here is it has chili in it. Um, so there's that little bit of you have the sweet in the front, and then you have that little, just a mild little bit of heat in the back. Um, but then yeah. what happens every year is what Perennial does is they have their release on here, which you have your base Abraxas, and then they usually do three different variants that comes with it. It could be coffee. It could be they've done salted caramel on it. Um, they just did one with a Vietnamese coffee beans um, variation to it. So they do all the different variants. Plus, they also barrel age it for a year. And if you're lucky enough to get a barrel aged Abraxas, that's why I pay X amount of dollars every year to be a member on here, which is basically <laughs> I get all the other beers, but that's what I really want. Um, I mean, barrel aged sump is good. Barrel aged, I mean, all, everything else is good, but that's the one everybody wants, which is amazing. Yeah, that's that's pretty prime time. Um, any beer that can have such a following like that that gets people to to try to weasel their way into by paying money for other. Um, for other parts of the program, that's how you know it's it's good. Um, I've long long said any I'll I'll buy any beer that people are waiting in line for, um, which I think that's that's going on now. Is that right? It's back to lines thing on here. Yeah, they're starting to do different lines outside in St. Louis. Yeah, but isn't it? It's is Abraxas the releases right around now? Right? Is that right? Uh yeah. Usually it's usually in October. So yeah, it'll be coming up here. Yeah. yeah, so anyone who needs to get down to, to St. Louis, um, we should they should get down there. Um, and so I alluded to some before we get into the second beer. I alluded to something at the the top of the show about St. Louis and a little bit about the geographic location. And I would like to talk about caves. <laughs> I like to go splunking. Is that what it's called? spelunking yeah spelunking yeah. yeah as a big spelunker um i just want to spend the next 20 minutes talking about caves so um what as as i understand it st louis has lots of caves and how did that work its way into the beer community what's the what's the interplay between my career as a spelunker well to kind of get into that you have to go to i mean you have the big guy in town you have ab out there who I mean, it used to be Anheuser-Busch and Falstaff was in there. Um, you had the Lent Brewery on here. All these guys came in on here right at the end of the 1800s, early 1900s. Um, AB became the big one. And the reason being is because you have all the German immigrants who settled in St. Louis, mainly because the, the climate and the terror of the soil and everything else was 
very similar to what's in the Rhineland. Um, but the real appealing thing is, yes, St. Louis per capita has more underground limestone caves than anywhere else in the world, which I thought was crazy when they told me about it when we went to Earthbound and stuff like that. But I looked it up and no, it's true. Um, and caves, especially limestone caves, make absolutely perfect lagering cellars, which is what started happening. These guys on here. Um, one little cool fact is here at <clears throat> in the 1900s on here, the early 1900s, there was actually more than 100 breweries within the city limits of St. Louis because you'd have a brewery that was basically just doing lagers and ales, um, two beers on here. They wouldn't really sell them too much. I mean, they'd sell them, but they wouldn't. Um, they didn't have all the filtration or anything on it. So it was basically brew it, drink it quick on here. So you had all these beer gardens all over the place. So there was literally a beer garden every three to four blocks around the entire city because that's where everybody went after work. So that's why you have, if you go around the city on here, you'll see streets named after the breweries on here. That's what Cherokee Street Brewing, I mean, Cherokee Street is named after the brewery on here. You have, um, there's a bunch more on here, but that's what it is. They're all, that's how the city was laid out. We were a bunch of beer drinking people at the turn of the century. Um, which I was, and when you mentioned, yeah, there's, you know, 68 some odd breweries that we go to on here. They used to be a two thirds, I mean, two to three times that many just within the city limit. Um, cause that's what you did. You went to all those breweries on here, but yeah, there is limestone caverns all over the city on here. Um, they actually don't know where they're all at. Um, they're not all excavated out on here. Um, in fact, what one of the things they made you do on here was if you were going to build upon where you knew one of those case systems was you had to actually take the building that you were going to tear down and bust it all down there and dump it into the caves um, and fill up the caves with that debris because I mean you have every once in a while there it's usually about every two years or so you'll see all something like a giant sinkhole will show up somewhere and it's basically because the ground caved out into the um, down into the thing I know the one funny thing out here, they still have it kind of open, I think, was right in the middle of the park outside of Clark Street, right there by Union Station. But just the ground just fell away out here, went down into these caves. Um, just happens, but they don't know how <laughs> that they is... don't know how far you can get in between of them or where they're all linked to or how far you can go or anything on here, but they're everywhere. That is crazy. Just a sinkhole. Where you never know when it's going to happen in St. Louis. No, no, I didn't know I had another uh, thing to worry about. Yeah, in fact, I had that, a friend of mine. That's, who, that's uh, the new fun fact that you never know when you're going to fall into a sinkhole. Yeah, you got houses in the old part of the city on here where their um, structures and stuff like that, their houses will shift. They're like, well, why is this happening? I mean, I'm like, because you're probably falling into a hole. I mean, because you have the grounds on here while shifting on here, and that's what happens. That is crazy. Why you can't, you can't figure out why your drywall keeps cracking? It's because your house is shifting. I I would like to ask the chat because I I researched this. How many caves are in the state of Missouri? Any guesses? Sounds like a ton based on the fact that you can just kind of fall <laughs> into one at a moment's notice. Ryan's got three fifty two. Brian, you're, I would guess you're 5% of the way there. Any other guesses? And Jesse did say that St. Louis has more caves than anywhere in the world, cave cavern systems. So 
All right. Well, okay. per capita, per our size per, or per population, yeah. So. So, oh, Pat says twenty-seven. No, Pat Where said two thousand seven hundred fifty-six. Eric may have re, may have Googled it because we gave enough time for people <laughs> to respond. But Eric, ding ding ding, Eric wins. There are seven thousand cavern uh, caves in the state of Missouri. So. Way too many. We're not um, Chad, what do you say? Should we um, should we dive into forehands? I think so. Um, do I need to finish? My, I'm going to finish my chamomile because I want to have a, a nice night though first. Okay, so while while um, Chad drinks his warm <laughs> glass of milk before bed. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this is another 2011 brewery. Um, and I think, yeah, Chad, uh, there you go. So what do we have for cast iron? It is an oatmeal. Brown ale. So an oatmeal brown ale, is that when you take Quaker oats and then you add brown ale to a bowl? Is that an oatmeal? And brown food coloring. Mm. With, with a cord. got it no no this is going to be it's going to be similar to an oatmeal stout but mm -hmm. it's not going to have the same opacity that stouts have it's not going to have as, as much as much body so it's going to drink more like a light porter and there's an obnoxious amount of chocolate malts these glasses not is that is is an obnoxious amount of chocolate malt? Is that a um, technical quantitative figure? At a certain point, does it cross into ob obnoxious? According to uh, forehands, it is. <laughs> but chocolate malt is not the same as chocolate, like cacao and 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 roasted barley. Same thing. So chocolate malt is just malt that's been roasted to roasted, roasted fairly dark but not to the point of combustion, which is like more roasted barley. So, all right, Jesse, we're going to tap you again. Give us your forehands, your forehands. Um, love. What do people love about it? Well, forehands is probably outside of Schlafly. It's probably one of the most widely distributed beers out there. Um, well, actually, you being a Chicago guy, I know one of the things on here is they do their uh, um, citywide, and they did not think it would sell well in Chicago, but it's their number two outside of St. Louis, the location that they sell it at. I forget how many bars that they say actually have it on tap on here, but there's your one little thing on here that I <laughs> that's always stuck out that I thought was crazy. Can, um, can you share just for the audience? Because is a really interesting project that Four Hands has done. Because when I was uh, looking into uh, Four Hands, it sounds like can you tell a little bit more about. I mean, it's a basic. It's their basic lager. Um, they do a citywide. Well, they have an APA. They do a lager and they do a pilsner on it. But it's their series on it, um, and it's. Essentially, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's their everything that gets sold off of it. They have a fund that goes back into to fund different projects for the community. Um, 
it's their charity beer is pretty much what you could say. That's, that's why they sell it everywhere. Um, every non-for-profit uh, center thing in St. Louis, like here, even when my wife and I, we go to the Fox for the theater, um, every ball game, everything on here, everything, they also will sell a citywide on here. And every bit of whatever the percentage of the profits off of that all goes back to right back to the community on whatever various projects that are going on. So it's cool. Yeah, you no, still feel about drinking beer. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm. I'm. I couldn't when I was looking. They already partnered. It looks like with 25 different nonprofits, and they brought in over three hundred thousand dollars from this. So if you see a citywide, not only is it just an American lager that tastes delicious and crisp, but you also know that you're giving back to a local St. Louis community, which I think is just awesome. Just like this delicious beer so chad um tell me about food pairing someone mentioned in the chat that the can recommends food pairing and as as you're our, our in-house cicerone this is sort of like this is why you took the test so one read them off the can and then two tell me why they work no you're not very good at that nope <laughs> No, it's worse, worse. There you go. Got it. So on the can, it says charcuterie and party stews, which again, like you were saying, I love, I wish more cans had beer and food pairings because beer is actually more versatile to pair with food than wine is. And that's like blasphemy in the, in the wine circles, but it's true beer doing during with the the roasting of the malts the kettle caramelization happening you get so many more flavors and so when you're talking about a beer like this this is going to have uh the oatmeal gives it some body so you're going to want something that's going to be able to uh keep up with the 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 intensity of this beer uh so you want to when you're talking about pairing beer with food you want to think about matching intensities and so that's why if you look on that can, they say hearty stews, a hearty beef stew or a charcuterie. Those are going to have that kind of uh, insane intensity. You're not having a salad with this beer. Like if you're here to drink, drink this beer with a salad, the salad would have no flavor profile whatsoever because this beer, just that amount of chocolate malt and roasted barley is going to... Uh, overpower overpower yeah the the salad so i agree the the hearty stew kind of that um that the the beef in a hearty stew is gonna have the that same the fat the intensity the um what's the word that 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 just heartiness of uh body of that stew is gonna go really well with this also something sweet dolce delice love that there's some caramel notes when you drink this uh so that would go really well with a some kind of caramel dish so jesse we uh on our tours we're huge 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 fans of a beer and food pairing we've done a ton of them and so we all sort of have our favorites do you have a favorite beer and food pairing i mean pizza goes well with everything um no, actually, my more thing on here is what beer am I going to drink with what cigar, actually? 
So Ooh. that's usually what I'm going with. Is am I going to do a stout with a cigar? Am I going to do an IPA? Which one's going with what? How do you pair cigars with beer? Is there some kind of uh, th- uh, theory behind that? No. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, how, well, how do you pair like a Goza? What kind of cigar are you pairing? A Goza? Probably or, something Berlin or Vice. Uh, I mean, you go with a Maduro, you go with something darker on here is usually what I do. Something with a little bit more oily to it. But yeah, and then it's pretty much, do you want a more heavier, roasty one on here? Do you want something lighter and sweeter? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's an experiment. I don't think anybody actually has a rule book for how to pair beers and cigars. It's yeah, all whiskey yeah. and scotch this, and cigars. This is, but, this is your calling, I think. You need to write the beer and cigar pairing. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I don't think there's. A, I think no matter what, it's gonna work. I the beholder, <laughs> right? Interesting, you said that. I've been in Memphis for less than twelve hours. I've been to six. We visited six breweries today. Every single patio, there were people smoking cigars with ashtrays for cigars, which is not a thing where I live. Is that a thing in St. Louis? Is this oh, yeah. is yeah not, not all of them but yeah there's a lot of there is a lot there's a lot of them actually i could think of like crossroads brewing out in st charles county on here they actually have a whole thing on um sunday afternoons if there's cigars on the patio thing where you get up you know they put a spe- if you have a cigar you get a special little beer flight and then they kind of curate it to what your cigars are that um so there's quite a I, there's probably six to eight Brews that I could think of off the top of my head that actually have humidors in the breweries where you can buy a cigar to go smoke outside. Wow. Yeah. That is. Oh, it's a big thing. I mean, I could tell you in Nashville on here, I was out having a cigar in the patio of uh, one of the local breweries here last night. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's the barbecue or the cigar culture that's bringing that together? Because it seems like what you're saying, like St. Louis, Memphis, these are all barbecue locales that you go for good barbecue you just get good clean this is it just people like smoke in 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 these cities and cigars happen to be one of those i don't know because now i'm thinking about it uh because the other big place that i go to a lot on here i see it in, in kansas city which is also a big cigar thing i mean a big barbecue one so maybe you're more into that than and like i've been to so many beer cities and i never like literally i was struck that the fifth place i was like am i in the twilight so like what's happening so it yeah i'm i'm very curious but maybe there is chad you're right maybe there is a connection between barbecue cigars and beer which like there are worse connections in the world (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've never actually really thought about i mean i travel a lot like i mean i'm in in Cincinnati and Louisville last week, and I, there was no breweries out there with cigars. I don't know. Maybe maybe you caught on to it. I don't know. I've, I've never been to a brewery, and I've been to a lot of breweries, and seeing a humidor or a cigar program yeah. or anything. So this is this is un- I think this is uncharted territories. Look at us. <laughs> I think I think we're we're. We're on to something. We're, I think we're on to something. This is tune in. Very... Tune in next time where we 
peel back another layer of the cigar beer connection. It sounds like Brewhop STL may need a beer and cigar tour um, there. We, we've we've talked about it. <laughs> I'm the van would probably this out, be so. <laughs> there are other smoking types of tours. I think that would be a more appropriate one for for a brewery tour. <laughs> so. Before we before we head off into the sun or it's dark out before we head off into the evening, Jesse, tell give us um, tell us where people can find you, um, what you have coming up, what where come to St. Louis, take a tour, tell them. Um, I mean, pretty much on here, you can just go to our website at ruhopstl.com. I mean, we're on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff on here. Um, and then we post our tour schedule usually about two months in advance and every tour is different because yeah, like I said, we do tours Saturday noon to four and one, one, one from noon to four, one from five to nine. Um, it's no more than 12 people to a tour. Um, you get a full beer at each stop and we go to four different breweries on each tour and we rotate them through. So you can come on six different ones and not go to the same brewery. Amazing. And maybe have a cigar with Jesse at one of the breweries. You can, you can enjoy if you can whirl at each brewery for about 45 minutes. So it depends on what, how good your cigar is. So. I don't know the typical <laughs> speed of cigar smoking. So I will go from there. But thank you, Jesse, so much. Yeah. For... It was a pleasure chatting with you. Okay. Um, have a great night. And we'll see you when we're down in STL next time. Okay. Well, thank awesome. you. And for everyone else, if you're listening on a podcast or watching on the Zoom, if you're on the podcast, shop.citybrewtourist.com um, to join the beer club, you um, can get the beers we mentioned in this stream sent to your house on a monthly basis. Um, and Chad, do you want to tell them what, or, or we're not teasing next month. Is it a surprise? No, there's no more surprises for the, the beer club. Oh, that's yet. right. Where is it? And you can just go and get, if you're not um, a subscribed member yet, you can just go to shop.citybrewtours.com and see what our next city is. And that is going to be Seattle. So what a crap. Seattle's as far from me geographically as you can be. The question is, will there be cigars? In Seattle? In Seattle. Not known for the barbecue. So we'll find out if the connection fish. is truly there. You gotta throw a fish. That's my only Seattle association. RJ, we're still figuring out hosts. So we will, you may see us again. We, we just, it's gonna be a surprise. They'll have to tune in, in in a little bit and find out. We, uh, we'll keep you on your toes in that regard. So, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, Chad, as always. A pleasure to chat with you. Excited for Seattle. I will see you soon. Have a great night, everyone. Bye-bye.